Welcome back to the Alts Podcast. I'm your host, Horatio Ruiz. We bring you industry leaders and creators to give their insights on the rapidly changing and exciting world of alternative assets. Opinions expressed on this podcast by the host and podcast guests are for informational purposes only and should not be considered investment advice. Podcast hosts and guests may maintain positions in the offerings discussed in this podcast. Thank you for joining the podcast. Today, we're talking to John Green, the founder and CEO at NADA. NADA is an investment, finance, and banking platform that allows investors to own shares of a top city's real estate market. With a minimum investment of $100, an investor can own a slice of a city's real estate. In this episode, we talk about how NADA uses its home shares program to give homeowners greater access to their home equity at lower costs than a traditional bank and how NADA uses its stake in that equity to create city funds for its investors. John talks about the current city funds of Miami, Tampa, Dallas, and Austin, and how investors benefit from equity dividends, rental payments, and a secondary trading platform to be released later this year. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with John. All right, guys, thank you for joining us uh, on the podcast today. We have uh, another great company, uh, Nada, Nada.co uh, is their website. It's a real estate startup um, doing some real cool things, um, allowing people to do things that they maybe traditionally haven't been able to. We have uh, John Green, Mr. John Green, the CEO of Nada. Welcome on the podcast, John. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I really appreciate the platform you guys have created and the opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. I know that uh, we were very excited about your your company, what you guys are doing. We have you know a great uh, list of guests that have come on the podcast in real estate. And so you guys are definitely doing something different, uh, something we haven't seen before. And that's always exciting. And I just kind of want to start off, you know, with you, uh, John, kind of like the, the kind of have a big picture of the company, a uh, large overview. Nada does a couple of, of things differently. One of them is, is giving access to home equity. Uh, the other one is kind of creating this real estate fund where you're owning basically, you know, pieces of the city, so to speak. And so I just want to let you kind of talk about it, you know, talk about what Nada is and, and what you guys are doing. Yeah, we, we are maybe a little bit different in that way in that we, we do serve two sides of the market. We're a platform that has a single mission that is to make real estate more accessible for everyone. So for us, you know, on one side, on the demand side, if you will, we, we issue and manage a series of real estate funds that we call city funds. And city funds are designed to be index-like funds that represent a single city's residential real estate market. So we have Austin, Dallas, Miami, for example. And investors can invest directly into that fund, which gives them exposure to a diversified portfolio of real estate investments in that city. So they get the the simple exposure to that, again, that residential real estate market. And one of the ways we're able to do that and do it efficiently is how we support the supply side. NADA also originates consumer finance products. And so for homeowners, we have a financial product uh, it's a home equity investment product that we call home shares. And, and a home share allows a homeowner to sell a fraction of their home equity in exchange to get cash today. And then we get a real estate asset, a lien deed secured interest in their home's future value. And so that ends up being the, the majority asset that each city finds owning. And so when you put those two together, you've got a homeowner that is able to access equity without the burden of monthly payments or, or, or added debt or anything such as that. And you've got a fund that has exposure, direct exposure to owner-occupied home equity in some of the you know, largest cities in the U.S. So it's very efficient, very diverse, 
and it, it it does a good on both sides, which is very important for us. Yeah, those are those are two uh, the two big things that you guys are, are doing, and I kind of want to uh, take one at a time and do like sort of speak a deep dive into each one. And I want to start off with the, the home equity side because I really think that that kind of lends itself to the the home shares program that we'll talk about. The home equity side, right, is so interesting because it, it's a little bit different. So a homeowner is able to access equity in their home, okay, uh, with you guys providing that equity. Um, okay, that's so there, there is kind of nothing different, but the difference is this. So when the homeowners get the equity, you guys almost become partners with them, right? You kind of you kind of own a percentage of their home. You become a partner with them, and you kind of share in the uh, appreciation of their home. And in return, the homeowner uh, the equity that they receive is is different from a say a, a traditional uh, loan that they would get at their bank. That's right. Yeah. So uh, a homeowner today that wants to cash out their equity in their home, they, they're limited to a couple of traditional methods. One would be selling their home out entirely and, and you know, buying a new home or going into renting. That's very disruptive. Many people are not trying to move. Um, the other would be to take on debt. So you could do a cash out refinance. You could do a home equity loan uh, or home equity line of credit. So where we come in, we, we add an alternative to that. So a homeowner is able to sell a piece of their equity that they've built up in their home. In exchange, we, we get a percentage of that home's future value and we give them cash today. So it's an investment. And, and as you said, we do, you know, we are in effect partners with the homeowner in that investment, that investment being their home. And by being an equity investment instead of a debt product, we do share in the upside and the downside. So when we place an investment, we're betting in, in the home and the homeowner. We don't technically have ownership. The owner retains ownership. We just guarantee a share of the home's future value. And we're basically betting on the homeowner and the home uh, just as they are. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So I, I kind of want to have a, a little bit of an example and I, I kind of, uh, just to make it easier for me to understand. So let's say that somebody's home is, is uh, appraised at $100,000, but they still have a mortgage uh, for $50,000, right? They have an equity of, of 50K. Would they say, hypothetically speaking, would, first of all, would the homeowner be able to take out you know, ask you guys for all the equity, which would be $50,000 there. And if you guys are able to provide that $50,000 in equity, do you guys then essentially become, let's say, uh, 50% homeowner of that property? That's a good question. And, you know, it's a, it's a little bit different because when you look at a home, really what the owner has is just the equity. The rest of it is owned by an institution, typically, you know, the mortgage lender at the bank. So it's not really theirs to give away. Maybe that's the first way you'd look at it. So I get the way you scaled down the math to make it simple, and I like that. So I'll scale down the size of that we would potentially cash out here. If a homeowner has, again, I'm Marie State, a $100,000 home, they have $50,000 worth of equity, and they want to cash out, say, $10,000 of that $50,000 that they have in equity, we would do that. We would buy that percentage. We'd give them $10,000 in cash, and in exchange, we would then secure 20% of their home's future value. That's what the underlying instrument is. And that's because in this case, 10,000 is 20% of 50,000, if I'm doing quick math correctly. So that's why it's an apples to apples. Like we're giving cash based on current equity value. And then in exchange for that, that access to cash the homeowner is getting today, we're, we're saying, okay, we're, we're gonna get that, that future share. 10K sounds reasonable, right? But what if a homeowner comes to you and says, I want all my equity? Is that something you guys, uh, I don't know if you encounter that, often or is that something where you're like well let, let's 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 see if the numbers make sense yeah it's definitely the latter i mean it, it, in this case it's not dissimilar to a mortgage product we are underwriting the risk of 
our position in the homes. And one of the things we do like about this, because we, we do look at it as an investment asset, is that you know smaller positions, not overly levered, is a more diverse kind of downside protection to build a basket of assets. So no, we won't go anything above um, uh, what we call an 80% CLTV. So CLTV, in this case, is combined lien to value. So it'd be the combination of what they owe on any outstanding mortgage debt in addition to the cash that we're giving them. It, won't, it cannot exceed 80%. Said differently, the owner has to have at least 20% equity in the home at the end of the deal. So when someone's looking at that, so essentially you're not providing a loan either, right? You're providing uh, straight up equity. When when the homeowner applies to, to a program like this, what are the fees associated with it? Kind of related to that is how is this a different process, say, than what you mentioned before? You know, going to the bank, having a you know a debt equity loan, something like that. I, I think the, the first thing is it, it's a, it's a lot less time consuming to apply and get funds. We're able to close and get funds in fifteen days um, because it's a lighter underwrite. It's, it's an investment primarily in the collateral, less of an underwrite of the consumer, uh, so long as they're current on mortgage. That's how we look at it. As far as closing costs and fees, there are some standard pass-through fees that the owner has to pay. So such as we, we do process closings through title and escrow, uh, but it's, it's, it's not as expensive as if you were to do that with a full refinance or a home equity line of credit, just because the instrument behind it is not as uh, substantial. So similar closing costs in terms of you know things that we're handling that are third parties are doing to do a certain service, like a property inspection, um, soft credit report is pulled, but compared to other ways someone would cash out equity, it's cheaper. It's less less cost in closing and faster to close. But the, the big ticket is there's no interest rate, no monthly payments. Yeah, that's the main distinction. Yeah, at that point, since you say are becoming a partner, right? And correct me if I'm wrong. I just want to kind of clear up for anybody that maybe is listening. Essentially, it's not a loan product, right? It- correct. It's not a loan at all. So it's a, it's an option contract. So those that might be familiar with investing in startups and venture capital and you guys being aughts, you know, that's a big aughts category. Uh, in case this resonates, that is a very simple way. So it's, it's not dissimilar to like what a safe note is. You know, we're investing in and securing it by an option agreement, which we then is exercised at certain trigger events upon the sale of the home, the maturation of term um, or, or other events to the senior debt. So like the refinance of primary mortgage or payoff of mortgage, these things would bring us to the table. Gotcha. And I think it's so important to talk to begin with this here because what you're able to do through this program is then kind of give life, right, in, in, in a sense to the other program that you have and maybe something that our listeners would be kind of more interested in, in as investors, um, which is the, the home shares program, right? So the homeowner product is home shares. The overall fund is city funds. The, the city funds. I'm sorry. So the home shares kind of helps out with the city funds. I find it so interesting because there's, there's different ways that we can describe this, but I, I kind of want to describe the city funds again, which you mentioned before, which is uh, it's an index fund for a city. And right now you guys are based out of four four cities. But how you're able to do that is you're able to kind of get into the cities through the home shares program. So you're basically fractionalize your stake in these homes, and then you're able to create these you know funds in the city. And right now you guys are in Miami, Tampa, Dallas, and Austin. Could you describe to me a little bit about how that works? Yeah, yeah, sure. I'd love to. So just like if you look at the home itself as a single asset, when we make an investment in a home through home shares, we're typically, we represent around 15 to 20% of the home's value. So we're not overexposed to that single asset. Now we take that and we do it 20, 30, 40, 50 times in a city. And we have investments in, in, in typically owner-occupied homes in that city. And, and even within that asset, we're not overexposed. So critical thing is city funds, by virtue of the home shares asset, 
is that we have tremendous diversification. We also gain a great deal of operational efficiency because unlike trying to represent 30 homes in, a, in Austin, for example, that are all rental properties, one would require much more capital to secure. And then two would require much more operational efforts in order to place and manage the properties, place tenants, et cetera. And so in our case with a home share, we effectively have a self-managed asset because the owner retains ownership rights and, and covenants, um, as well as the majority equity upside. So there's a, there's a lot of alignment that we see in that asset that allows us to access a market that may otherwise not be affordable. And, and again, diversification and, and total efficiency of a fund. So now what kind of uh, you know homes are you uh, using for the fund, right? So I'm imagining that since you guys are offering the, the this home shares program, um, that it's mostly you know residential, not necessarily uh, single family homes, and and not necessarily you know rental properties or commercial properties. So each city fund is exclusively single family residential. Within that, you know, it's your pretty standard one to four. But we will also include townhomes. Um, we don't invest in condos. There's certain ways reasons for that. I mean, there's kind of a domino effect of a condo. That way, we're singly exposing to a, a very specific sub-asset type within that market. And then we will invest in investor-owned properties um, as well. But as part of our portfolio construction, we'll do a smaller allocation of that. 10% would only go into that. And the, the vast majority, especially in terms of units, is into owner-occupied homes, single-family residential always. Now, like you mentioned, the, the ratio between uh, the homes that are a part of your home shares program, and you said you've also, you're also investing in some, you know, investment properties. The small ratio. Do you have another strategy for acquiring homes? Like, is not a actively uh, buying homes of, of your own uh, to include in the fund? And I'm wondering, kind of, what what that ratio is. How many how many of those homes in each city, right, are say uh, a, a part of your home shares program, and how many of those homes are say maybe homes that you've put your own equity into? No, that's a great question. So portfolio strategy and, and construction is, is critical to us as well. The current stage of the funds, we are investing in single family rental properties, whereby to your point, we're buying a property outright and we're placing a tenant in and owning it. And so um, we're, we're doing that because we want to have an income producing element to the funds early on because the equity investments have a longer uh, term. They're, they're typically paying off in four to five years. So it's easy to look at it from a unit standpoint. We are 10 to 1, 10 to 1 being 10 equity investments to one rental property. That's our current construction per fund. But as I was saying, even in the equity investments, we're doing 10% of those are investor equity investments, investor-owned properties, as opposed to owner-occupied. And that's because those carry a shorter term. Uh, we offer those with a one-year term. So that way, again, it's a cash flowing issue, but we're de-risking based on exposure uh, to those as well. So we have those three, three, three types per city fund. Gotcha. Gotcha. I kind of want to take a step back for a second. You did mention, you know, we've got properties in Miami, Tampa, Dallas, and Austin. Any reason for, for choosing those markets? How do you see, you know, those cities working out? And maybe even talk a little bit about the current state of the market. You know, um, there's a lot of conflicting information out there where one many think the real estate market is going to crash because such and such reason, but then you see other things where it's like, no, you know, real estate's actually doing, you know, really well. Or it's just kind of humming along. I like to say we don't try to predict the future, but we have a lot of history to, to point to. So real estate's been one of the most stable asset classes, you know, forever. Just look at history. And so that's really how we first look at it. 
Um, I'd say today we're able to make investments in a stabilizing market. It's just, it's kind of reckless to predict the future. A lot of the articles you're referring to generate a lot of clicks because a lot of people own homes, which again, is the thesis of our whole fund is that residential real estate touches pretty much everyone's life on a daily basis. So if I'm a journalist and I write an article about the home prices are going to collapse, the probability of that impacting a lot of people personally is high. Anyways, not to get too off topic, that's a, a bit of my uh, viewpoint on some of those articles. So again, point to the history and then getting into you guys. I mean, you guys are alts, right? So alternative investments, whether it's collectibles, crypto, et cetera. Real estate is really the OG uh, for alts. And so it, it, it's, it's kind of looked at weird, but it is one of the most stable and we're all about making it more accessible. So when we look at a city, we look at a couple of things. One is, you know, wh- what is the home price appreciation of that market over a longer period of time, over a, you know, a 20 to 30 year time frame, and then break it into smaller tranches so we see where it's at. And through that, we can identify, we've got 30 MSAs that we've identified to be future city funds. The other thing we look at is, is really the housing, call it the stock itself. Maybe it's best to give an alternative example, like uh, Boston or San Francisco would be great markets, they're marketable and how they present it. The housing there is very unique, very nuanced. So it'd be more difficult for us to create an index like exposure to those, those cities. So they're like currently on the roadmap. You know, I, I believe in time we can mature with data science to get better there, but that'd be one of the things we look at. So we look at cities that have more predictable housing units, uh, builds, PUDs, planned unit developments, et cetera. And then we look at really the marketability of the city. You know, uh, there's a certain, a big thing around we're exposing people to culture as well. So those are, I think, again, the big things. Real quick, what makes a city more, say, quote unquote, predictable, right? Like, what is that? Just like records available the availability of records or just you know sort of a, a pud is a plan unit development to where a lot of the housing is built up in communities where builders come in and build homes that have a lot of similar characteristics and a similar age right and so you can kind of you can take that phoenix is a great market as example there you know as opposed to a market like uh, again a boston or san francisco where the housing there is or, or even in new york it is more old and older and established, much more nuanced unit to unit. It is really just simply saying that like markets that have most like characteristics of homes throughout is where we first are going to. And not to make that sound too crazy, that is most markets. Right. Yeah. What is the uh, the total number of properties? So you have these these funds for each city, real estate funds for each city that you can invest in. Uh, Miami, Tampa, Dallas, Austin. Could you give us a, a like a, a number for the how many properties are maybe in each market? What do the funds consist of? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So Austin is at um, 26 units that it holds today. Dallas is at 23. Um, and Miami is, I believe we're going to close this month at 12. And then our newest fund, the one that we just launched is Tampa, and we have four. So in, in each case, we just started making investments for the funds uh, in, in August of last year. So that's how quick we're able to deploy capital and gain exposure to each of these markets. Now, within within each of those, I guess index funds for each city, you know, you're you're planning on opening up a, a secondary market, like a, a trading platform for them, which I guess would allow for more liquidity. And it kind of gets into a bunch of other things about how, from here, we can kind of talk about like how investors can make money, you know, um, by by trading in their shares. But first, I'd like to, you know, maybe have you discuss like how far away are you from having the secondary trading platform where I, where you're trading shares of each city, and and w- what is your kind of vision for that? Yeah, it's a, it's a great question. So 
maybe I'll start with the whole design. The, the reason we created City Funds is we wanted to make City Funds a way for uh, you know the Main Street investor to be able to own home equity. So you know, we got a minimum buy price of $100. And we wanted to make that a familiar asset class to them. So something that is more liquid than a typical private real estate investment. So that's, again, the reason we, we've done all this. As far as having secondary, we, we do have the business relationships today. So we have a broker dealer that is our secondary broker dealer. And we have an alternative trading system that is an SEC registered system. It's abbreviated PPACs. So, so all this is in place. It's really more so when is it coming in terms of a maturation of the fund and when the early investors would be motivated to list their shares for sale. We anticipate that to be Q3. And this goes into the whole contract of the, the fund and maybe the home share itself. The home share is an in-the-money investment day one, just by design. There's no way it wouldn't be. Um, and then over time, home price appreciation rate moves it up. So your main underlying movement of, of the fund value is you're buying in at a cash value per share. And we're taking that cash and we're going out and making investments that have a multiple in that cash. And then we track the performance of the, of the homes just with the evaluation methodology that we use. And we can go more into that, to this in a minute. Uh, and then we publish it. And then that changes the share price through net asset value, NAV. And then that creates a tradable movement. If you bought it at 10 and we re and based on the investments, now it's up to 12, you may be motivated to sell for that, that difference of, of value. I guess that that brings like my um, a question, like for an investor, say that they're invested in the city fund. And I don't know if it changes this at all, if there's a, there's a change that occurs at all. But like what happens uh, when one of the homes from the home share program gets sold, right? Somebody has sold, you know, the, you guys invested when the equity, when I would say when the market value was 100K uh, and the home is sold for 200K. Um, and let's just say for sake of argument that you doubled your investment. How does an, an investor in the city funds see that profit, right? I, I would imagine that they would see something from that. Is it just with their home, with their the price of their share rising, or would they see some of that as as a as a payout, as a dividend? Yeah, it's a great question, and, and, and we do have a dividend program with the funds. So each fund is is uh, structured as a REIT, so the same REIT rules that apply. Uh, you know, our, our income is paid out via dividends, and our dividend cycles on a quarterly basis. So uh, unlike maybe something someone might be familiar with is investing in like a single rental property or even like an invitation homes type REIT that is single family rental, we're not as steadily cash flowing on a minor basis of just rental spread. You know, it is to your point, it, it, you know, over time and age, these payoffs are going to happen and these are larger payoffs. And so that's, that's money coming out of the fund as well as to bring back why I talked about early on, we are investing in some rental properties. So we have income producing built in, but, but over time, the dividends become a, a pretty substantial amount of the fund as well. And then the rest of the money is redeployed to invest in new home equity investments, which have greater equity appreciation. Is there even like a timeline for what you're hoping that homeowners share the, their homes for, for? So like, let's say that you do give some equity out through the, again, and I want to dis distinguish the two so the listeners are familiar with the, with the terms. You give equity through the home shares program. Um, what if the what if the homeowners decide not to sell for like another 10 years? You know, is that something that, that can happen? Is Is that okay? as you continue to add more properties, you know, and, and kind of diversify your funds? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so the, the, the homeowner product has a 10-year term, um, which, you know, requires a forced repayment in the event that we needed to do that. The typical payoff of a home equity investment um, is, is a four to five-year payoff. So, you know, you look at that like a CPR is a 20, 22% per year churn on that asset. 
But the longer they hold, the greater the equity position is over time, by the, just by the design of that investment into the home. And so because you know, we're valuing this asset through uh, third-party valuation methods, the same as if you were to buy a home, our position in that's going up. And, and the fact that it's going to monetize at some point you know, has proven to be a, just, just a fact in time. And so the share value of that, that asset is growing. So if someone holds for a long time, there's going to be some mix of that. Um, it's a lower probability that someone holds over 10 years, but it doesn't directly affect the investor because the investor has the liquidity, unlike most private real estate investment funds where they have the liquidity uh, to sell shares and they could do so within the first year. So there isn't some long-term lockup um, as well as they have the passive income component of the dividends that we, we spoke about. Could you talk a little bit more uh, about that 10-year contract? Is, is that something so like you pro- and just to clear it up again, like, so you guys provide equity, what does that contract stipulate? So does that mean that uh, the homeowners have to pay back the equity or? or? Uh, so yes, it, it is a 10-year contract whereby we're giving the owner cash in exchange for their equity. And then at the end of 10 years, if they haven't sold the home or refinanced their mortgage, which is a typical way they're paying off, um, if they haven't done that, then our option is exercise and we can, we can then arrange for a cash payment. And the way that that would work is we would get a third party appraiser to go out to the home and appraise the current value. And then it would, it would calculate you know, our, our payoff on that. Yeah. At, at that point, I guess they would go through, I guess, another means, right? Uh, maybe a traditional way of, let's say they don't have that cash offhand, but then they, they could just kind of do a traditional uh, refinance. Correct. I'm even wondering in my mind if at that point, maybe even you guys can have a product for that even, you know, where it's like, I don't know. Yeah. And we do today. I think it's a great point. So when we're, when I say we, we do consumer finance, we're, we're a licensed mortgage originator. And so not only do we do equity investments at homes, we also sell debt products and that's just mortgages. And so when, 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 a, when a homeowner gets a home share, they, they're able to track on a monthly basis their balance. And because we're tracking, we know what their interest rate is and we're tracking the, the, some market interest rates. We can tell them you know, financially when it makes sense for them to do a cash out refinance to pay off their, their equity option. And that's part of our business model as well. That way, there's just no pressure on the homeowner to pay off. We have, a, we have an ongoing relationship. Awesome. So yeah, I, I, I guess the kind of going back to that secondary uh, trading platform now we've we've added you know various ways that uh, that the investors can kind of see their payouts you know part of it is get that appreciation the dividend the, the rental payments that you guys are getting from the, the rental properties and then also potentially this uh, secondary trading platform one of the things that I kind of am curious about right is a platform like that right like so it has a certain value like each uh, each city fund has a value and as you continue to add properties right the value of each fund increases I'm wondering how an investor sees that appreciation in the the shares that they hold in the city fund. You know, so like if I buy into Miami when you guys are at and, and correct at at 16 properties, I think you said right, John. If I buy into the Miami market when there are 16 properties, but then you guys add in another 10 properties, right? How do I distinguish? You know, how much of that Miami city fund I then own? And I don't know if my question even you know is making is making sense. I definitely get the basis of it. I think, I think let's just go to the design of the of the city fund. So, city funds are are open ended, what you call evergreen funds, and that means they're always raising capital. So they're not closed in, and it's kind of hard to compute sometimes. It's kind of like kind of thinking about a circle. You could think about it for days and never reach an endpoint. 
so the way that it works is when an investor is investing in a city fund, they're actually getting LLC membership interest in a series of a city fund. So in this case, it'd be series Austin is, is an entity. And so because they're getting LLC in, interest, cash is then pulled by that entity, series Austin, and then that cash is used to make investments into real estate. And that way they're getting a, what you call a pro rata, an equally distributed exposure to the to the, the gain from real estate assets, as opposed to uh, kind of a one-to-one where you are just in one single property, you get the benefit of having your money being dispersed across all investments. You know, I'll give you an example of where we're at right now. So if you were to invest into the, really any of the city funds, they're all currently at the cash share price. That is $10 per share. Yet as of December, we, we did uh, updated NAV, but we chose not to reprice. So NAV is the value of shares represented by the, the really how well we made investments. So when we make an investment, we make money on the money that we, we had. And, and so Austin, for example, the NAV value is almost $12 right now. And so when we file an SEC update, we will update the new buy price to $12. But right now it's still 10. So it, it, on a monthly basis, we file that update and that's when the price changes. But in the interim, if you, if you buy in, you know, you're able to get that accretive value, whether that value is, is purely appreciation and equity or uh, cash flow from dividends. So yeah, it's it's you know like you mentioned before, um, that makes a lot of sense. You're, you're basically constantly updating the share price. Let's say once a month you're updating it. Correct. Yes, and that, that is actually. And then my question was like, naturally, as you're continuing to add properties, right, to uh, to each fund, and maybe this is my kind of elementary thinking, it's better to get in early um, because you are getting the share prices at a lower value than than you would when you add more properties, which is going to naturally add value to each share. Correct. Yeah. I mean, mathematically, yes, correct. Without trying to, you know, overstate or overpromise any, any performance. I mean, you know, uh, you, you are betting in, in the market and our ability to place investments that are, you know, cost effective. And so, you know, again, as these equity investments pay off, the gains on the sales paid out. So you want to get that dividend and then that money is reinvested into a, a new equity investment, which creates an equity position day one. And so it, it feeds itself, but it doesn't compound and build consistently because you have a cash flowing element. But let me just say this. I, I won't argue with your point. I think it's a, a very valid point. Let's talk a little bit about uh, the, the, the valuation the, of the properties. You know, I'm, I, I think anybody that is a homeowner maybe is always interested in what their home is worth. Uh, and, and they go to, you know, the tried and true sites, you know, Zillow, uh, Trulia, Realtor, to kind of get an idea of what, uh, what their homes are worth based off, of, you know, comps and things like that. What is your algorithm, right? And without giving away the secret, like, uh, or, or what you guys are doing, how do you value each property that you buy and, and, and as you're updating the price of each home? Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a great question. And if, if you just, if you put yourself on the homeowner side and you, and you know that we are, the home share product is sold to a homeowner. So one of the most sensitive things that they have is the value of their home, which is really the basis of how we price that. And so it, it's, it's something that we take very serious. So we do, we work with third-party valuation models, automated valuation models. Um, we have three in particular that we apply a, an algorithm on top of to arrive at the most confident score output of which value we're originating at. And then once we book that investment at that agreed upon value, that becomes the, the month over month way in which we're tracking the, the, the value of the property it goes from originating the investment to the net asset valuation of it on a month over month. And so it's, it's an integrated process. 
And we have you know, a great team that does a lot of the calculation there. And then in the event that we have, um, you know, call it an impasse or a disagreement on value, then we'll go with the tried and true uh, field appraisal to ensure we have a, you know, a certain confidence and agreeable amount of, of value. Awesome. Um, I kind of want to get into the, the, the details of here in the last couple minutes here that we have, John. Let's talk about the investments. You mentioned earlier today, earlier in the podcast, it's for $100. You know, people can get in and own uh, a piece, you know, a fund of, of a city, basically a real estate fund of a city, which I think is key. Um, but I also kind of wanted to see if you could talk a little bit about like, you know, f- future investments, um, if some actionable, like how can somebody right now get in, get involved with, with NADA if, as an investor? Uh, so you can you can find us at nada.co, nada.co. Um, which is just going to direct you to the App Store, Google Play Store. Uh, Nada Finance is the app. You can search it by Nada Finance or City Funds, and you'll find us. You know, we like to think we've made it pretty simple to get on, get in the app, and, and make an investment directly from there. And then from there, you're able to track your investments, your your uh, performance. We are we believe in building in the public, so we are very transparent with our activity uh, managing funds and just what we're doing. So that's really where you get in, and you can. You know, get in early now when the price is still low before we reprice would be something I would recommend looking into. And that's the quickest way to do so. I can say, you know, what's coming up. We have, we've already SEC qualified five additional cities. Uh, and we like to kind of reserve some of that. Uh, so I, I can say the next one that we are excited about is Denver. Denver will be the next city fund coming out. Awesome. Big news. So someone right now, they, they download the app. They can, they, they can come in and, and start investing in one of the funds. Yeah, they can invest in all of them. Yeah, we have recurring investment features for some people that like to put just money aside. Uh, we see a lot of customers. We just had a customer this week actually that got a home share where they cashed out, you know, uh, forty thousand of their home equity, and then they turned around and put uh, ten thousand into city funds where they they took their equity out and then they diversified it across uh, each of the city funds. Actually, so there's you know. If you think about us as a single app and concept, we're the, the real estate app, like the money app for real estate. If you want to get access to, you know, a city's equity, if you want to unlock your own to spend really whatever you need it for, whether it be school, investments, et cetera, uh, that's what we do. Yeah. I, I kind of want to kind of want to leave it here, right? Like, I feel like you guys have a great opportunity. You have, you have a whole market to, to kind of go to you have these cities that you're operating in, but like, it's basically, you know, convincing somebody to try, you got check you guys out as opposed to say a traditional bank. And you guys are saying, you know, we have so much more to offer by going with us than if you went the traditional route. And I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit more about that as, as we kind of finish here. Yeah. I don't know if you're, you're leading me into a future product, but we, we do have a banking uh, product that we're, we're excited about releasing soon. We have a partnership with Visa and, um, you know, we, we're, we're building a, a banking wrapper around all the financial products that we have. Um, and I'll just, I'll, I'll tie it back in. So when we released the, the Visa, the not a debit card and, and debit program, homeowners getting cash out with home shares will get this money on, on a not a Visa card. And in, in doing so, that'll allow us to grant them ongoing cashback incentives because we participate in, in interchange and, and give them a banking element of, really a much easier way to access home equity to spend even in smaller increments after their first call it draw uh, to where it can just be more, more accessible than uh, maybe an IRA when it moved to self-directed, but almost as much as a savings account to where the equity is real and it's liquid. 
And then on the investor side, we have the ability to add something unique, something that we saw Robinhood build a big thing on. And that is like gifting investment shares from really the ambassadors growing the network. And for us, we're, we're going to have a component to where any investor will have cash management to where they'll receive their, their dividends or receive their gains from trade, et cetera, in a not a debit account, as well as just for spending the debit card anywhere, we're going to have a share rewards program with city funds. So they'll have the ability to earn real estate just for spending a debit card. And again, just everything for us is how can we make real estate more accessible? And we're really excited about that. That that program is likely to come out Q3, Q4. Along with the, the, the trading platform. So it seems like you guys have a big year ahead of you. And, and, and you know, with that, that's, that's, that's a, I think that's a good way to kind of uh, recap uh, NADA uh, and what you guys are doing and, and how you're building the company. So, uh, John, thank you again for, for joining me on the podcast. I really appreciate it. And we're looking forward to uh, seeing you guys grow and, and doing more great things. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you for having us. Absolutely. So, guys, check out NADA.co. Uh, and again, a big thanks to John. John's mission at NADA is to disrupt the traditional methods of investing in real estate. At NADA, they're building products for all types of consumers, from homeowners seeking greater access to equity to investors who may only have $100 to invest at a time. John finished this podcast with a great vision for NADA's future, rewarding its home shares users with a banking card to help them become fractional real estate owners through city funds. Make sure to tune in on March 8th at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as NADA will host a webinar to give a City Fund's performance update. A big thanks to John for coming on the podcast, and as always, a big thanks to you for listening. If you enjoyed today's episode, please leave a review or follow us on the streaming platform of your choice. Until the next time, take care.